live. It's back. It's Thursday night. It's Thursday night. Coach Carvey and Miss Leonard, how the hell are you guys? Very good. Living the dream. Spectacular. Fantastic. <laughs> As we're going to introduce Mr. Leonard here in a second, um, let everybody know we do have a very, very special guest in the studio tonight. We're very honored and thankful, Mr. Leonard, that you gave us time to come in here, talk about Indy and what's going on. So everybody, let me introduce you to Mr. Leonard Hoops, the president and CEO of Visit Indy. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Thank, Thank you. you, man. If only I got uh, greeted like this at home every night. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we, we want that too, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're always asked what took so long. Wishful. <laughs> that would be wishful thinking for me. Yes. You know, like, but anyway, we got a very packed um, show tonight, so we're going to get our, our bills paid early. Okay. You guys, the weather's changing in and out, in and out. It's going to mess up with your heating and cooling system. If you have a problem with that, you know who to call. You call our friends at Preferred Mechanical. At Carvey, what's the number? Area code 317-924-4042. If you mention the show D-Line Sports, you get how much, y'all? 10% off. One more time. If you mention the show, you get... 10 yeah, percent off. <laughs> Again, if you mention the show, you get 10 percent off. <laughs> Residential only, not, not commercial. commercial. But if you talk to us, maybe we could work something out. Absolutely. And if you go on, don't want to do your lawn care on the weekends, we got a guy for that too. You call Holden Lawn Care at area code 317 418 7725. Pay him to do your dirty work. Free up your weekends, and you're out of no money, really. From the, the time you would pay yourself versus all the equipment and the fertilizer and, and all that. Hassle. It's the hassle. But it may be raining this it, weekend. It, it's, it's, it, it works itself out, and you get your weekend back. Yeah. So call our friends at Holden Lawn Care, area code 317-418-7725. Carve brother, bring us in. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, for the million that's watching over and the billion that's going to be watching over, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I said, are you ready? Yeah, baby. Very nice, Carvey. Very, very nice. Very impressive. As always. Glad to have you back. I miss y'all. I know. It was now introducing. Big P, Carvey Jackson, Coach Foop, and the man, Mr. Leonard. This is D-Line Sports. Ah! We're, supposed to have, we're supposed to have the ladies screaming. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, like we told you at the beginning of the show, we have Mr. Leonard Hoops, of the president and CEO of Visit Indy, in here to talk about how in the world did one little town oh, man. pull off the entire NCAA tournament? Yes, that. Now, this is your cue to jump in and, and, and tell us <laughs> what kind of a rock star you are and the people you work with. Well, I would say, first of all, I'm just a cog in the mighty machine that is Indy. We've been doing this for a long time. Um, for a good 50 years, uh, a lot of people... Uh, that have asked me about how you know lucky Indianapolis was to have gotten this tournament. The reality is we made our luck here. We've been doing this for 50 years. We were made for this moment. Mm -hmm. uh, you go back to 1965 when uh, Indianapolis uh, first formed the Capital Improvement Board of Marion County. 
And then we went off and built the convention center in 1972. Yeah. That was the first big project. 1974, Market Square Arena comes around. Yeah. Uh, 1983, we build a football stadium with no team. Then we recruit a team. The Baltimore Colts become the Indianapolis Colts. 1987, we have the Pan Am Games. Back up a little. 1979, we formed the Indiana Sports Corporation. Uh, 1999, we opened Bankers Life Fieldhouse. I remember that. Uh, 2008, we opened a brand new airport that's been rated number one in the country for many years. Mm -hmm. 2011, we opened up the Phase 5 of the Convention Center expansion and the JW Marriott. If all these things don't happen, we don't have this tournament. I, I, I missed one of them. Sense. 1997, we recruited the NCAA headquarters yeah. from Kansas City to move to Indianapolis. 1999, that, that uh, office actually opened up. You, you think about all those things that happened since the mid-60s to 2020. November 2020, I get a phone call from a senior official at the NCAA saying, and, and this wasn't a big surprise. We've been hearing some chatter, some speculation. Um, can Indianapolis possibly clear the decks in the convention center so we can have the entire tournament in Indy? And I said, of course. And then it was sort of like, how are we going to do this? Because we knew we had some groups. <laughs> Uh, already in the convention center right. for the dates they needed. We had, the, of course, the final four dates already planned. Right. But we did not have the, the decks cleared for the weeks leading up to the final four. Yeah. We had other events in the building. So, uh, yeah, so at the end of the day, you know, we did our part primarily on the front end, and then a whole bunch of really talented people at the Indiana Sports Corp, Brian Vaughn and Rick Fusen, who's their chair, and Jennifer Pope Baker, who's the vice chair, who became like the chair of the final four, I guess the entire March Madness. There's just a ton of people. Uh, who know how to do this stuff, and, and everybody started doing their part. So uh, you went from having, uh, you know, a couple of years to plan three games to having about 70 days to plan 67 games. Yeah. Well, th let me be the first to congratulate you yeah, that Indy was Sports Corp, and everybody else in Indiana that, 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 that and pulled this honest, off. You, you, that's, that's amazing right there to pull something off where how many teams was, were there with? 64? 68 teams. 68. 68, 68 the first four. Yeah, yeah. Yes, the 68, because I know you, you, you had it expanded to, to different areas. Yeah. But to have that all come together to one big location, that's that's unbelievable. And that's why I said kudos to everybody that was part of that project that pulled this off, because that was amazing. Now, with that being said, my question is, that being very successful, do you see this happening more often here in Indianapolis? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was, that, that was short and sweet. Hey, to be honest. I mean, that's the reality. The reality is Dan Gavitt, you know, the, the head of, uh, of, of the, of the uh, NCAA basketball programs, he, he is the first to tell you that um, this is a special moment in the sense that a pandemic created a situation where they needed to be in one place. Right. They had promised this to 13 other places to, mm. you know, for a second round. You got the first foreign date in every year. You got first, second rounds all over the country. You got uh, four different regionals, and then you got uh, the final, the final four. four. And um, the reality is the conditions of 2020 slash 21 mm -hmm. presented us a situation where uh, one city was going to be fortunate enough to do it. And, you know, and, and as I kind of mentioned earlier, we were essentially a 50-year overnight success story, right? Yes. For five decades, we've yes. been building an infrastructure and a, and a resume of doing stuff like this and recruiting the NCAA here and already having – the final four schedule for 21 here, and it put us in a position to do the whole thing. But realistically, um, I don't see the NCAA, uh, even though we know we're the best at doing this, there's a handful of cities that get talked about all the time. San Antonio, it turned out, who had the women's tournament, they're one of the best at doing this every every time. And, uh, you know, we've all seen, like, sports writers and 
and others talking about how maybe it ought to be just in Indy or just in Indy and San Antonio and New Orleans and rotate between those three and there'd be a lot of sports writers happy because they love those cities but uh, right. it's not going to happen again anytime uh, in our lifetimes unless there's another pandemic and none of us want that now let me that. ask a follow-up question on Carbase. do you think or do you know if the NCA lost money by having everything right here in Indy or did they gain money by keeping everybody in our little bubble I have no idea <laughs> I have no idea. Speculate. How the, I have no idea how the pro forma works on the NCAA. At the end of the day, they certainly made more money than they did in 2020, right? Essentially, right, absolutely. Uh, all they had in 2020 was uh, whatever insurance payment they might have been able to get in lieu of not having a tournament. Uh, in 2021, um, they they were able to, uh, you know, accomplish their goals with their partners and their media broadcasters and things of that nature. And uh, I'm not privy to that sort of data. So I uh, at the end, ultimately they ultimately. Uh, you know they're a they're a uh, a consortium of of Division One university or actually multi, not not just Division One but multiple divisions um, and their primary role is to try to generate revenue so universities a lot of people forget that these sports events end up funding other sports beyond mm -hmm. college basketball uh, in, in essence college basketball subsidizes a whole bunch of other sports on both the men's and women's <laughs> sides and also pre generates revenue for the universities to deliver an education people have nothing to do with sports correct so uh you know people forget that they talk about oh the ncaa needed to make their money this and that yeah they did because they want to help the university members be better universities uh the reasons big universities have big sports programs is more often than not to be able to fund other out parts of the institution to fund you know the philosophy majors of the world correct right. yes yeah that's that's pretty good well i i tell you look, looking at this it seemed like this would have been a nightmare of communication it just seems like there's so many moving parts that were involved here. You got officials from, from every one of the schools, uh, the NCAA, uh, the officiating board, all, all of that together, plus having to the logistically deal with things in Bloomington and West Lafayette and Indianapolis itself, and, and bringing all that together and I, I don't know, I guess, when did we start putting all this together and, and say, okay, this is actually possible? Well, again, it goes back, there was a call in early November when uh, a senior official at the NCAA called, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to be on the, the other end of that call, and basically they, they called us to make sure that um, it was even feasible to clear out the convention center and the key hotels. They knew they had a plan. The men's basketball committee and the NCAA headquarters had developed a plan that we had nothing to do with um, that basically said, you know, we need to do a single site. Um, and Indianapolis, since we're already having the final four there, since we're already headquartered there, since they already have a big convention center downtown, since they have all these big hotels connected by Skywalk to that convention center, which then happens to be connected to Lucas Oil Stadium and then three blocks away is Bankers Life Fieldhouse. That was kind of the core element, right? This seems so, like it was built for it. Right, and, and, and this goes back again, 50-year overnight success story. For 50 yeah. years, we've been building this infrastructure um, that goes back to the Capital Improvement Board being formed and then the, the convention center, the first phase of it being built in 1972. We've added hotels after hotels, connected them by skywalks, mm -hmm. built an upgraded facility from a market square uh, farther east downtown to three blocks away from the convention center where, exactly, it is, you know, yep. where Bankers Life is now. Uh, from a smaller um, Hoosier Dome, RCA Dome, that became um, part of the convention center in the last expansion to having 
a Lucas Oil Stadium, which, you know, uh, stadium, I think Stadium Journeys keeps calling the number one uh, stadium, stadium in sports. Yeah, and and, and and even though there's great stadiums like AT&T and the, and the new one in L.A. and the new one in Vegas, the key to Indy Stadium is its proximity to all these other assets, okay. right? I mean, the, the fans and the student-athletes and their families and the sports writers and everybody else, you walk out and you're a block away from having, you know, restaurants and bars from Lucas Oil Stadium. Yeah. Um, and you're only a couple blocks away from a Mass Ave or a short Uber or a scooter ride to, to Fountain Square. So the infrastructure of Indy is like no other city uh, for these kinds of events. But, you know, so they basically had a plan in mind. They had an idea that Indy could host it. And then it was just a matter of can you guys clear the deck? Can you move the groups that you've already promised that space to, that you've already contracted that space to? Uh, and we knew we could, but we also knew it would be somewhat painful uh, to get there. And, but we got there, and the hotels had to do their part. They had groups that were going to be meeting just in the hotels. And we were all speculating in November, well, what's March and April going to look like, right? We didn't know yeah. COVID-wise where that was going to be. Some groups uh, used sporting events said, well, we're going we're gonna to be having our events because we've been having them in July and August and September and October and November of last year. So right. some groups knew they were going to be meeting. And then other groups we didn't know, smaller conventions and things like that weren't sure if they were going to go forward. So that was really step one. Step one was just clearing the decks. Um, that took place in November. In December, we were working with the hotels. That There were four team bubble hotels, one official uh, bubble hotel. Uh, they were all connected, ultimately, uh, to where you didn't have to go outdoors. You could go through the hotel, through various secure spaces to get uh, to the convention center. Mm -hmm. uh, the convention center was turned into a giant student-athlete village. You had one uh, practice court in the Sagamore Ballroom. You had other practice courts in the ele other 11 halls. I would love to see something like that. Yeah. It, was like, it was like a giant student union. So you had 12 yeah. courts, uh, weight rooms. Um, uh, I didn't see it myself, but I was told that there, you know, uh, as the tournament got on further and they could uh, move out practice courts because it was fewer teams, they mm -hmm. put in like a movie theater, uh, you know, for the, for the, the kids and, and the, the team officials and things like that. And so... Um, you know, we, we were uniquely well positioned and qualified, uh, being the headquarters, having this giant convention center, having right. hotels where you could put the teams in a bubble and secure them uh, in where they could just go back and forth to the convention center practice spaces. And it's just India is just a unique animal. That, that's pretty awesome. Now, what, now, were the players allowed to go to Circle Center Mall and uh, some of the restaurants that Indy has to offer? When they were in the bubble, they were in the bubble. Now, the bubble itself got expanded. Uh, it included space like Victory Field, or they would uh, get uh, some of the kids uh, on uh, motor coaches and take them out to Top Golf, but it would, they would clear out Top Golf so that nobody except for the people in the bubble were there. Okay. Uh, so they were never, I mean, that's the reason you got through uh, 66 of the 67 games. Uh, only the uh, VCU and Oregon game got canceled because of covid tests and that was more than likely that was a first round game and so that was more than likely uh, a result of um i think it was vcu yeah. uh, that had the positive test right because oregon obviously moved it's on probably before they even got yeah there. before they got here yeah. so yeah. it's it was one of those things where they they probably arrived not knowing they had it and then somewhere in the process they tested positive if they had known earlier than one of those teams on the backup list i think louisville was next on the yeah. list would have ended up coming to the tournament but once they got to a certain day, I think it was the Tuesday of that week, mm -hmm. the teams were set, period. And if somebody tested positive, whether it was first what? round or final four, they were they, out. Then, then that, that's the safe thing. That's the safe thing I love about that. Um, being said about the game, did you go to any of the games? I, I did. I was lucky enough. Uh, Visit Indy um, uh, was able to work with the Pacers and with the Colts and with the NCAA. And we had uh, seating at both uh, uh, the 
Bankers Life venue and Lucas Oil. So every game of every round that we're at those two venues, we were able to uh, okay. either have clients or board members or okay. elected officials or whatever. So when you nice. went, That's, yeah. so when you went to the game, was there any particular team that you just had your eye on? Like, I'm I'm root for them. I, I really didn't have a dog in this hunt. I, I um, you know, you, you, you learn after years in this industry. I've been to close to 30 years now in four cities that, uh, you, you know, everybody who you is in your, you know, in this case, the clients, the NCAA, yeah. uh, you just want all their student athletes and the, and the team officials and stuff to have great experiences. Correct. My number one goal was for whether you got knocked out in the first four, which, you know, a lot of those games, uh, uh, those games were actually, I think, in uh, um, uh, IU and, and West Lafayette, right? The yes, yes, yes. So, I, yeah. Uh, but whether they were having their first four games or they get knocked out, uh, uh, like Gonzaga did in the final game, you wanted them to uh, to leave Indianapolis thinking, well, I, I had the best experience I could have in, in Indianapolis. That's that's one thing that we always want anybody to do when they oh, come here yeah. from Definitely. from the Indianapolis Pacers to the Indianapolis Colts. You want them to come here and be like, wow, the atmosphere the people everything i love about it and that's one thing i say i love about indy because we as a community we're growing we're awesome and we we're we get along with everybody yeah absolutely we get we get fans from other bases that will contact us personally and say hey i'm gonna come to you know the the baltimore colts home game you know, where can I stay? Where can I eat? You know, what do I w look out for? What, you know, stay away from? And we are happy to give, give oh, them all yeah. the information we know about this city. Yeah, we're like the, whatever the polar opposite of is a, a Philadelphia Eagles experience. Is <laughs> that's all, that's, well, that is true. Well, I'm sure there's certain people on the team now that are, are glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Welcome, Parson. And and now we could also say you know hey tell them to check out the visit uh, visitindy.com mm -hmm. is that yep, correct yeah. visitindy.com and that's where you could also find out hotels uh, places to eat and different events and types stuff to look at and if you want if you're interested in going places like there's a lot more in Indy than just yeah it's like sport yeah it's all stadium yeah. yeah yeah the other thing I also like is the Indy 500 Speedway. That's that's which which speaking of, are you involved anything to going forward with that this year? I know it's probably going to be another yeah. large sports undertaking going forward with with COVID probably still going to be in the picture. Yeah, well, we have relationships with all the big. I mean, I've got uh, at the Visit Indie board. We've got um, one of the team owners uh, from the Colts is on our board. We've got uh, a senior executive from the Pacers is on our board. A uh, senior executive for uh, the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Penske Entertainment's on our board, so uh, we're you know we're we're pretty much well engaged with the Indy is very tied to sports. Um, the Sports Corporation Ryan is uh, on my board and I'm on his board mm -hmm. at the Indiana Sports Corp. And so uh, yeah, so pretty much any sporting event um, and how they you know need to um, kind of maximize Indianapolis or or need our help on on, on working things out, uh, you know, we'll work with them. For example, the Indy 500 when they Last year, when they changed dates, before um, they could, they found out that they weren't going to have any fans. But they they were hoping to have fans in the fall. But one of the reasons, one of the things they did would they would call us um, and go, hey, if we put it on this date or this date or this date, you know, we're negotiating with the networks for these different dates. How much of an issue is this going to be if there's fans getting hotel rooms? Exactly. Well, we got this convention we're planning this weekend, but this weekend convention's not too bad. We think you can get all your teams and sponsors rooms and 
So yeah, stuff like that where they need to figure out, well, you know, we're involved in a lot of those logistics, just trying to figure out where to put people, where to put heads in beds, where, you know, mm -hmm. whether or not, uh, uh, you, 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 there's certain things you can't have a, you know, like a Gen Con and, um, you know, and maybe uh, an Indy 500 the same weekend because there's just not enough hotel rooms. Yeah, right. Yeah. So it, I know that the Gen, sort of thing. Yeah, because the Gen Con, that's a very good, uh, it's a nice event to go to. Yeah. If you ever, if you ever been to the Gen Con, I I recommend everybody go if you were into stuff like dressing up as a now a character. You, you got some insider information for us for the upcoming five hundred. I mean, as far as what yeah. what fans can expect, yeah. or yeah. you I, I know, partial filming of the five hundred, or or whatever's being talked about that that you can share with us well I, I i would say this the uh, i saw that it was reported and i believe this to be accurate reporting that they sold something in the neighborhood of 170,000 tickets already right yeah, okay. and so um that's pretty robust right there mm -hmm. that's that's not 300,000 like they had uh for the 100th running or anything like that or even 250 to 300 as they were having around that but um uh, i i believe uh, this is personal speculation on my part that i believe that by memorial day weekend uh, they'll be able to at least take care of the 170,000 or about tickets. I think the management there, uh, uh, Mr. Penske and Mark Miles, uh, who runs Penske uh, Entertainment, uh, and um, you know uh, Doug Bowles, who runs the track itself, uh, Allison Langton, who is in charge of the big events and, and trying to figure out how to plan whatever they're going to do in a pandemic uh, this year with fans as opposed to not with fans. Uh, I think right now they're there is my guess is they're probably looking and going okay. We think we're going to be at least able to do the 170. Um, and then, you know, Marion County Public Health, uh, frankly, is very data oriented. <laughs> They're like a stat freak, you know. I mean, the stat freaks listening to your show who can tell you every batting average and every, uh, you know, uh, scoring efficiency rate per, you know, 48 minutes of basketball or whatever. Um, but the, the, uh, the Marion County Public Health Department's the same way. They're looking at positivity rates for mm -hmm. COVID, they're looking at hospitalizations, deaths. Uh, new cases, you name it. And um, so the speculation on my part, as the graph starts shifting more to more people getting uh, vaccinated and, and fewer cases of COVID, uh, which has been trending in the right direction for a while now, right. uh, suggests to me that we'll be in good shape to have that 170,000. But, you know, things could change. I just saw that Ontario, the, the province of Canada where Toronto is, is about to start a four-week stay at home because they're having COVID. Yeah. Huge, complete uh, COVID uh, third wave in Toronto yeah. and Ontario right now. Yeah, because right? I've seen where, I know it's off subject of uh, sports, but I know I've seen where uh, the COVID has mutated something like that. Where, <laughs> Well, I don't even want to get into that. There's variants, and there's like technically scientific and medical definitions that between like uh, – a mutation and a variant. Yes. But bottom line is the variants in some areas are causing a third wave. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're hopeful that because we kept our mask rules that there was 25% capacity at the stadiums uh, and arenas that, um, you know, that you still had to do all the stuff that we were doing uh, pre-tournament um, for our tournament. You know, mm -hmm. we weren't going to be perfect. There's some personal responsibility people have to take uh, when they went to games and, and decided to do things. But, uh, we're optimistic that, you know, that as the next couple of weeks bear out, that we had a safe event, um, right. a safe of an event as you're going to have for something that brings in uh, over 100,000 total tickets sold for those games. I think it was like 130,000 tickets sold or something like that, if I remember reading it right. Yeah. Well, it, it seems like since COVID hit, 
that there's been like this weird balancing act that a lot of a lot of communities and businesses and governments have had to go through where you have to balance your economy with people's safety and health. And it seems like somebody that has a job like you would be right on the tip of the spear of that and having to kind of balance back and forth. What's that been like for you with this? Yeah, the Visit Indie World certainly has been impacted because we lost uh, hundreds of millions of dollars worth of uh, visitor spending from the conventions that were all canceled. Mm -hmm. and, and frankly, that's not just the health officials. There were, the health officials could have said we're open and the groups would have said we ain't coming. Um, you know, because they, uh, one of the key things you got to remember with uh, the convention and trade show business is that uh, there's a big corporate influence. Corporations, uh, you know, if you're a if you work for XYZ company, they're the one paying to send you to, uh, you know, maybe not Gen Con. Gen Con's more of a personal choice, but you're going if you're going to go to the American Association of Lollipop Makers <laughs> convention, yeah. you know, the company that's making those lollipops right. is the one saying whether you can go or not, and they're telling you you're not coming to the office, you're going to work from home, uh, no business travel is approved, all this sort of stuff. So. Um, so a lot of people have kind of, th I think, at least in my business, um, overestimated the impact. Uh, frankly, I would tell you that Dr. Kane and Marion County Public Health mm -hmm. uh, has been more, um, uh, they have worked with us at Visit Indy and with uh, the uh, Capital Improvement Board at the Convention Center and the hotels better than just about anybody else in the country in any city or state. I don't care if it's red or blue, whatever the case was. Um, that's why we were able to have uh, AAU basketball tournaments and uh, Jam Fest cheerleading competition and uh, Nike Mideast volleyball qualifier uh, and all this other sports stuff that we I, we had Irish dancers over Thanksgiving week, oh, uh, wow. a couple thousand of them, um, and that came from Chicago because they wouldn't let them have it in Chicago, but our health department said, you have them drop a health and safety plan, show it to us, and we'll tell you whether or not we can do it. And in every case, they came back and said this plan looks good or they need to fix this and this and then, but every time we got it fixed. So we've been having regular events since last July in Indianapolis. One of the, you can count on one hand in the country the number of places have been able to do that. Yeah. Now it's not been anywhere near what we were having. We weren't having FFA with seventy thousand kids. Yes. Or Gen Con <laughs> with sixty five thousand people. Or performance racing industry with sixty five thousand people. The combine. Uh, NFL combine. Which, uh, we did have the combine last year. It was right before the pandemic yeah. really hit. Yeah, we, we, we lucked out. Yeah. Yeah, and this year, you know, the combine's happening. Uh, one piece of it's happening right now in Indianapolis. Right now, yep. So 150 uh, student athletes are uh, going to be going through the downtown Marriott the next couple of days uh, for medical testing. And it's still the single biggest site of any uh, combine activities in the country. So even right. though it's not the combine we're used to with the on-field testing and your vertical leap and your 40 yards and your, your bench press, it's, um, it's, but they it's, are getting it's the still, medical. Still something. Yeah. They're getting the medical testing done and the in-person interviews. Yeah, which and, are huge come towards Yeah, I don't think end. they're actually doing the interviews. Um, uh, they may be asking them about medical questions there, but they've been doing the interviews on Zoom okay. uh, so far. But, yeah, they're, the, the 150 kids are basically going to get their medical testing here, and it's very limited. Instead of, like, the GMs and stuff, you're getting more medical personnel from the NFL right. teams for this one. All right. Now, next year, is – Plans back to be normal so we can get the combine back next year. Well, it, there's uh, there's stuff to be figured out there. Uh, as of right now, uh, our understanding is the combine still in its traditional dates that we have them, which is end of March, beginning of, uh, or end of uh, February, beginning of March. But there's a 17 week season now that has pushed the Super Bowl back a week. Yep. So does that mean the combine gets pushed back a week? Well, if it gets pushed back a week, then we got another challenge because we have a big convention in that next week that's already taken up every room, every square foot of the convention center. Uh, so hopefully the combine happens in the week it's 
supposed scheduled to. to happen, but that, but you know, I would think it would just be more of a um, time burden on the professional organizations and their people because everybody coming to the combine is NCAA. They're done. You know, yeah. they're ready to get to the combine, yeah, the show everybody what they got. Now, that might crunch, you know, the GMs, coaches, their time stuff down. But by the time you get to playoff Super Bowls, the dimension of teams is already whittled away to just a few left. Come the Super Bowl, there's only two teams. So there's only going to be two teams that's going to be cramping on time to get their people to the combine and, yeah. and, and do that whole process. I personally don't see it, the, the, the Super Bowl being pushed back, affecting the combine timeline. I could uh, be wrong. I don't, I have no clue what you guys do. Got to go through <laughs> and I'm not going to act like I do. But just on sitting on the outside, being a fan, I don't see why that pushback, why the extra uh, game for this year's uh, season would affect that. Yeah, and, and right now, as far as we're concerned, it's happening. The date is scheduled and contracted to happen. But uh, we, we've, over the years, the Combine has changed dates. The NFL builds an off-season calendar, basically, that goes from Super Bowl to, to training camp. And how do you feel? You know, what, when's the Combine in there? When's the draft in there? When are, you know, official league dates, league meetings? It's a very complicated uh, uh, thing that they do. And we're one piece of that. And, and uh, you know, and, and there's different uh, folks pulling in different directions. The NFL Network might want one thing. The GMs and the team personnel might want another thing. Uh, the folks who actually run the Combine National Football Scouting, which is a separate entity from the NFL but work mm -hmm. with the NFL, is a totally different thing. So it's uh, there's just a lot of moving parts. And, and every, you know, whether you're talking NCAA, NFL, Indy 500, there's so many different things that each of these groups have to go through to put on their events. Yeah. Man, I would yeah. love to be a fly on your wall. <laughs> Some of the calls that you've taken here, especially lately with all the, the pandemic Ooh. and the shutdown and all that. And then a normal day for you. It, yeah. You know, before the, the, the shutdown, all that happened, you know, just you talk about all these moving pieces. I, man, you've got to be a chess master. Yeah, we, we kind of compare it to Tetris a lot. And you remember that old Tetris? Yeah. 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 So what ends up happening there is all of a sudden there's a hole there, but that group don't fit, so you got to flip it sideways. And then, you know, mm -hmm. and then maybe you take this one and put it on the other side. Exactly. And, and then maybe you convince one to change its dates and then move another one in. And uh, and then somebody comes in and blows the whole thing up that you'd already worked on for about two months. So it, it, that, that stuff happens all the time. Yeah. Speaking of blow-ups, with all the work that you had to do in what it was 70 days, right? About, yeah, about that time to really get down to granular. And that was really where the Sports Corp and the LOC took over. And we were part of that LOC. Uh, we have different people who run different committees, but I'm nowhere near the expert on the, the details that Ryan Vaughn and Rick Fusen, who's the chair of Sports Corp, and Jennifer Pope Baker basically quit her day job or took a leave, uh, who's the vice chair, who became the chair of Just March Madness. Oh, wow. And then you have people like Quinn Buckner and others who were like chairs of the committee and, you know, that sort of thing. Well, with the chair that you did sit in, yeah. what was – the high point of what you guys had to pull off and what was the low point and what would you do differently if the NCA calls you again and say, Hey, we want to do this again. This worked out really well. Yeah. Um, all our schools absolutely loved being there. They loved, you know, not having to travel all over the country. Our players got more rest. You know, we put on better entertainment for people. Our numbers were sky high. Let's do it again. Yeah. 
what would you change differently and what would you not? I actually had a, a reporter from another outlet call me earlier today, ask me that basically that same question, and I said I, I don't know that there would be. Did he he read my stuff? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he stole yeah. he stole my question. Uh, and I basically told him that you know I don't know that we really could have done it um, materially better than we did it as a community, right? Uh, as a state, as a city, um, the different entities, uh, the Capital Improvement Board, the Sports Corporation, Visit Indy, Downtown Indy, um, even the Arts Council. If you were downtown at all, you saw these like art. Um, installations and, and like bands were playing and stuff like mm-hmm. that. That was um, 600 different artists that the Arts Council helped organize because, you know, the Sports Corp needed different folks. Um, uh, one of my team members, a gal named Susie Townsend, who's our SVP of Visitor Experience, lived in the bubble to run the restaurant program. Mm-hmm. So the one meal a day that the NCAA staff and the uh, student athletes and all the team officials would get the word hotel prepared uh, that could come from, you know, anywhere, any, any number of restaurants that were approved through the program. Um, Hugh was running that program. Big shout out to El St. Elmo Steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, you want, you want to get some product placement, uh, you know, I'm sure they'd be happy to. There you go. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, but so, you know, so there's, I think everybody did their part. Everybody um, uh, pulled their weight. Um, and, and that's just how Indy has been for a long time, right? Going back to Pan Am Games in 87 when another country was supposed to host those games. And mm-hmm. we were the, the last second backfill and, and, um, you know, and, and we've just been, we've been punching above our weight for a really long time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Do you guys get a lot of phone calls like that saying, hey, we're going to go here, but we want you guys prepared? You know, not really. I mean, most people, um, this is definitely the exception, not the rule, uh, where you've got something that just manifests itself this way. Uh, all these different things had to happen. You had to have a pandemic. You had to have 50 years worth of prep in building your downtown infrastructure. You had to have a good relationship um, already with the NCAA. Dr. Emmert's on my board at Visit Indy. Right. Uh, so, you know, they're early in the process. Uh, uh, he said to me personally, to our board, failure is not an option. We're, we're, we're basically putting our confidence and our trust in Indianapolis to pull this off um, and because we know you guys can do it. And so uh, failure is not an option on his part, not an option on my part, not an option on the sports court's part. The hotels all felt that each individual hotel needed to be the perfect bubble they could be. Uh, I mean, they uh, there's some great stuff. Like for example, on the Sunday of Selection Sunday, we had a huge volleyball tournament, the Nike Mid East Qualifier, wrap up that day, and Selection Sunday is happening. And all of a sudden, the Convention Center team had to take that entire building and turn it from a volleyball venue with courts in every hall. Uh, and turn it in and start setting up those basketball courts in all the halls Shout and out to the basketball people. ballroom. <laughs> and they started at 12.01 a.m. because that's when volleyball had to be out. Actually, they started before that. They started dismantling the volleyball part before that. By 12.01 a.m., they started setting up the basketball part. Uh, and the next day, uh, they were done. In the hotels that were the bubble hotels, had to basically uh, check everybody out. There were fifteen to 18,000 people in for the volleyball tournament, plus the Big Ten men and women's tournaments. All that leading that week, uh, mm-hmm. we had I think eighty seven percent occupancy that weekend in the downtown hotel. So it was pretty sanitizing. It, it was and th- so they, that's what they had to do. Oof. They had to check everybody out and then sanitize every single one of those rooms for COVID level bubble standards. And it was all hands on deck for those hotels. And then they basically had to run those hotels with virtually no hotel staff on board for bubble reasons. Um, and so yeah, so you basically had uh, just a handful of people actually running the hotel, cleaning the rooms, that sort of thing. It was mostly just uh, the kids and the officials uh, of each team, you know, coaches, 
um, trainers, whoever else were in the official traveling parties. Um, it was just a Herculean effort to get just from Selection Sunday to that first game. Uh, you know, uh, Thursday I think was the first four games, and Friday was the first round games. Oh wow! Insane. Shout out to the people that did all that work. Man. Shout out to all the hotels. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. you know? um, we had a comment from um, one of our friends, Don Wetrick, that Indy. Where'd it go? Indy, Indy was, was, on, was full. on full display. Yeah. Which, absolutely, I mean, the entire country was watching you guys, you know, and I can't praise you guys enough, you know, not just you guys with Visit Indy, but, you know, the Sports Corp, everybody that you had mentioned. I, I don't even know all the wheels, you know, that was rolling it in this thing. It would have been real thing. easy to drop the ball on that. I yeah, yeah. Just, just one little wrench fall on this thing, you know, what kind of domino effect would that take for the entire tournament? Well, one of the things we talked about uh, collectively as a, as a community, and, and uh, there's a group of us that even before this was happening, we call Team Indy, and it's the Sports Corporation, Downtown Indy, Indy Chamber, Visit Indy, Capital Improvement Board, and Arts Council. We get together every week on a Zoom, mm-hmm. and we talk about every, you know, all sorts of different things. How do we get boards off the downtown businesses? You know, last summer, how do we, um, how do we, uh, you know. Uh, activate uh, Mass Ave or the canal better okay. uh, in the middle of a pandemic? How do we uh, get grants to businesses that need federal dollars to get up and running again? How do we save a restaurant from going under? All these different sorts of things. And so um, we've been engaged as a community for a long time uh, talking about these things. Um, and Indy's a very unique animal. I mean, I my job before Indianapolis was I was the uh, exec VP for an organization called SF Travel, which is San Francisco's version mm-hmm. of Visit Indy. And a uh, great city, obviously, right? San Francisco, everybody yes. knows San Francisco. It's a brand that's known worldwide. Right. Uh, before that, I was in Sacramento, which was, uh, is the California capital, where I was their uh, chief marketing officer. And before that, I was with uh, the San Jose Convention and Visitors Bureau, which is Silicon Valley. And um, uh, I can tell you in those cities, which are all great cities with all wonderful people, uh, nobody uh, in the 27 years I've been doing this stuff in four cities can even touch Indianapolis for our collaboration, for um, – how everybody doesn't really care about what's in it for them or their organization, but what's in it for Indy right. as a collective community. This is, and that's our secret sauce is how we, uh, we pull together to, to, to do these things uh, collectively. And so, um, yeah, the, the level of granular detail is impossible if one organization had to do it all. Um, but when everybody, uh, all these organizations, plus the city, plus the state, uh, plus Pacers, plus Colts, plus you know, you just keep going. The, the list of, of organizations that were involved in some significant way um, on something like uh, the entire March Madness is pages and pages long. Right. And they all had to pull their weight. Right. So I, I have a question for you. When, because you were saying that you work different pl- cities. Now, what was something special about Indy that makes you be like, this is my home? Well, I, yeah, I, yeah well, I, mean, I know you said, go ahead. Sorry. My last name is Hoops. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sooner or later, I was going to wind up here. You got to figure it's out. Just it's, a, it's inevitable. Oh, it's yeah. inevitable. <laughs> when, the re- when the exec recruiter called me about the job opening and he sent my resume into the to the search committee, I'm sure I that was pretty much, you know, I was the leading candidate. That was <laughs> Hoops? Leonard Hoops? Yeah. Yes, get him. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'll tell you this. I had been to Indy um, on business, uh, on, a, on a one business trip before I came, mm-hmm. uh, for, uh, interviewed for this job. And on that one business trip, uh, it involved uh, a meeting. We were bidding on something. I was in Sacramento at the time. 
uh, uh, bidding on something uh, with the NCAA to bring an event, an uh, NCAA event to Sacramento. I think it was track and field, if I remember right. Right. Uh, one of those events, and um, and I was with the Sacramento Chamber of Commerce group that was doing like a study mission. Mm-hmm. So I actually got to see Indy pretty down and deep. I think this was around 06, 2006. Okay. So yeah. they had broken ground. The, the uh, RCA Dome was still up, but they had broken ground on Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, we saw a game. It was The timing was such where we ended up seeing a game, um, a Pacers game at Banker's Life, which at that point was only like seven years old. Right. Um, we flew into the old airport because the new airport wouldn't open for two years more, but we got a sense of what they were doing with the new airport. Um, we were told about what would be the JW Marriott. Um, the Georgia Street was being worked on. So there was all this stuff happening. Yeah. And I was like, damn, this, this city is you know really similar to Sacramento, but they're doing all the stuff we're talking about. They're actually doing it. Right. You know, Sacramento, where I was working at the time before I went to my San Francisco job, was talking about stuff like that. Now, they have since gotten a new arena and done a few things, but, but nowhere near the kind of like Indy just never stops. It's like, you know, it's like that running back, the legs keep churning, never goes down. Exactly. That kind of back. Indy's like that kind of back. We just keep going to grind out that one more yard, never stopping. Never, right. never, never, we're never going to go down on that first hit. Right. So, so that, that's that you said it perfectly. That's how. That's why I love Indianapolis because we just keep on grinding, keep on growing. And that's one thing about us, as you know about Indianapolis Pacers, Colts, the Indians, the hockey, uh, the highest team. We just keep on going and we keep on growing and we won't stop, you know, until we yeah. get to the top. Now, we do we do have a, a comment from one of our followers. Adam says that what we're talking about says, perfect example why we should hold another Super Bowl. Yeah. Any inside information well, on yeah. on a possible Super Bowl return? Because when you was talking about the reporters and this and that, that that was it, the first thing that was sticking in my mind is when we did host the Super Bowl. Oh my gosh. I, nobody said one bad word about Indy. Oh, yeah. Not right. one That's bad right. word. Everybody said love this, love that, love this, love this. They it was perfect. You know, everything was in within walking distance. You got any insider information? Well, I know we'd like to host another one. I know the Colts would like to host another one. Mr. Ursay um, and and uh, that great organization uh, has done everything they can to uh, interest the NFL in doing something like that. Uh, you know, they have tended to do one of two things um, in recent years, and that is either go to a stadium and city that has a new stadium or a significantly upgraded uh, stadium, or they go to a, a classic kind of warm weather and in February type of place, a Miami and New Orleans, that right. sort of thing. Um, a couple of years ago, they changed the process. I, I think it's going on three years now where it used to be like you, we, we as Indianapolis would say, hey, we want to we want to be considered for the bid for 2027 or something. And the NFL would then uh, pare it down and say, okay, here's the three finalists. It's Indy, it's Minneapolis, and it's uh, New Orleans, which was the last time we actively bid on it. We ended up losing to Minneapolis. And guess what? Minneapolis had a brand new stadium, right. just like guess what? Dallas and Indianapolis got in back-to-back years because Dallas and Indianapolis had brand new stadiums. Mm-hmm. Uh, and in the meantime, they were rotating along Miami and Tampa and San Diego and all right. these other sorts of places. And so um, they have a bit of a formula for that. Um, I don't think uh, we we certainly believe we put on the best Super Bowl ever. We created uh, as a community the concept of a Super Bowl village. Um, mm-hmm. That is now something that every city does. Uh, it's not unusual that Indianapolis, uh, whether it's for an NBA All-Star game, whether it's for a Super Bowl, uh, whether it's for a Final Four, that we keep resetting what the expectation is in other cities. Right. We become that standard. 
and, um, and, and, and there are people who won't go on the record at the NFL who will tell me personally, will tell uh, the Colts family uh, or the Sports Corp uh, all the time that there's, from a pure who did it best, definitely Indianapolis. Nobody put on a Super Bowl like Indianapolis. That is true. Um, I, I want to know who was in charge or who came up with the idea to put zip lines in the Super Bowl village. Yeah, that, was, <laughs> that dude was yeah. a brilliant yeah. man. That that line was forever long. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly some of the details on that because I was fortunate enough to get my job in uh, in March of 11, and that Super Bowl was in February of 12. So I came in right. on the back end after we had booked it and and, uh, and and got to participate on the on the LOC after that. But um, – there's a lot of really smart people who have worked for a long, lot of time. Uh, in uh, you know, Allison Melanchthon was the president of that Super Bowl, and Mark Miles, uh, who is now um, the uh, uh, CEO at uh, Penske Entertainment and right. runs you know the Indy Motor Speedway and stuff. Uh, he was the chair of that Super Bowl effort. So you're talking about those kinds of people who were leading the effort uh, too. And Mel Raines uh, is a senior VP for the Pacers now, mm-hmm. and she was uh, one of the like the senior VP for the Super Bowl. Right. You know, th- it's these kind of people who will then give up whatever their job was. Allison gave up her job uh, temporarily at the Sports Corp, where she was the number two, to just no- do nothing but Super Bowl. Uh, Mel gave up whatever she was doing at the time. I think she was in politics to do nothing but the Super Bowl. Uh, Mark Miles gave up a ton of his time. I think he was running the uh, Central Indiana Corporate Partnership, mm-hmm. which is a- an entity um, uh, that involves universities and CEOs. Uh, and he gave up a ton of his time to basically chair that Super Bowl. Right. So you get minds like that together, and then you, f- you start filling all the, the kind of volunteer leadership slots for a committee on marketing, for a committee on hospitality, for a committee on you know, security, for a committee on the committees. Uh, there are committees for committees. Right. And, uh, and, but we've had so much experience in doing this stuff that it's just it's so natural to our community to do this. If you were to take this to another place, they'd be like, oh, crap. Let's call Indianapolis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. yeah. And, and right I, on. I have a question because you said something about the NBA All-Star. Even though we were supposed to have it this year and due to the COVID, it got yeah. pushed back. So I know we had great plans and ideas with it. Is there a possibility going forward that if everything goes somewhat back to normal, do you think they will come back to Indianapolis since that's old? To oh, yeah, us? that's been announced. This is now yeah, so it's, so it's, it's coming back in 2024. 2024, okay. And uh, so, like anything else, this is a classic example of the convention world. We already had conventions in the dates they needed for 2024. Right. So, when uh, the Pacers first called me and said, okay, we think we're going to get 24 as the replacement for 21, what needs to happen? Actually, they said, here's a couple of different years. And I said, well, this one year, please. Talk them out of that year because I have to move like eight groups. Uh, this this year three groups. This other year four groups. This other year three. Mm-hmm. So let's if you can talk them into this year, it's the least amount of pain. Yeah. Contracts to <laughs> renegotiate that sort of thing. And sure enough, the, the Pacers are unbelievable partners. They they ended up um, they would have liked it sooner rather than later, but uh, three years out. One of the nice things about um, about that is uh, you've seen those improvements that they've got planned for Bankers Life. They've already done a lot of the internal improvements. But we're going to have that big plaza outside, um, you know, where you can have stuff like an ice skating rink where there's a parking garage yes, right I've now. They're going to have this plaza. So in 21, we wouldn't have had that stuff. In 24, we will have this new and improved version of Bankers Life is what we're going to have for the 24 All-Star Game. So, yes. you know, we did our part. We moved uh, the groups. The groups that uh, were in those dates were gracious. Um, it's a little bit easier, frankly, to move groups in 2024 than it is to move groups a couple weeks right. later to do like an NCAA because that group is going 
well, where am I supposed to go? I don't have three years to figure out my next place to go right. who's going to let me in. Whereas some group that's in 2024, we can we got enough time to either say we'll help you get earlier dates in the year, later dates in the year, help you find another city, whatever the case right. is. Right. Now, that's awesome. How far ahead do you schedule these groups for the convention centers and, and the whatnot? So the big conventions book farther out than the big sporting events, and that is a bit of a challenge. Uh, you'll have situations where a convention is looking 10 years out. So right now we got groups that are looking 2031, 2032 really? uh, to book wow. their convention. Uh, whereas a, a typical big sporting event might be looking at three to five years out. So oh, wow. it's not unusual, frankly. And Ryan Vaughn and I, uh, who run Sports Corp, talk about this all the time. Um, it's a mutual frustration and challenge for us when, because uh, we know the impacts. The, the thing about a sporting event versus a typical convention is quite often that convention might even have a more uh, a, a larger direct economic impact for the immediate time frame they're here. You know, mm -hmm. 68,000 Gen Con people for four days of gaming, plus maybe an extra day on the front and back end, are going to spend a lot of money, $60, 70000000 million. Um, uh, the sporting events, though, the exposure, like you guys talked about, you were saying earlier, some of your folks have commented about Indy's been in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the, you know, the, 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 uh, the, all lenses have been pointed to Indy. And um, that the, if you do it well, that the residual value of that is unbelievable, right. right? I mean, that can that can get you years worth of equity with people who are going, man, I saw Andy pull off that Final Four. Um, I might want to go see if I, you know, I, so I got offered a job at Lilly. That's where that's in Indy. Maybe I want to take that job in, 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 yeah. in with Lilly. Yeah. Uh, maybe I want to move there. Uh, maybe I want to, you know, I, I saw some really cool stuff happening at Bottle Works Watch Party at Mass Ave. They, Look like there's some apartment buildings there. I, I, I just graduated from school. Mm -hmm. uh, I was thinking about living in Nashville. I'm going to live in Indy. Yeah, that, um, yeah. Uh, there's somebody who's going, a convention planner who's going, I hadn't been thinking about making my convention in Indy, but man, um, they pulled that off. They can sure pull off my convention, mm -hmm. right? So stuff yeah. like that, the, the, that stuff never even gets counted in the economic impact uh, assessments. So, but going back to the whole deal, so we'll do our best to move groups if we have to right. for sporting events because it's got that residual value beyond the direct spend. Mm -hmm. But it is frustrating when conventions book five to seven years out on average and sporting events three to five years out on average. Right. That you're, you're all, with a popular convention destination, you may or may not know this, but in 2014, USA Today mag, uh, newspaper named Indianapolis the number one convention city in America. <laughs> Yeah, so we're, we're the number, not Vegas, not San Francisco. You can look this up. Now, they have not done that, updated that survey since. I hope they never do. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right? They stay number one for as long as we can stay number one. Um, but it was all, you know, it, it, it's it's based on what we've built over 50 years. And nobody's got all these hotels connected to convention, the not, convention yeah. center with a banker's life three blocks away with all these restaurants and walking distance. It's all right there, yeah. you know, and it's not. So we're about quantity. We're not, we're more about, I mean, we're, we're about quality more so than a quantity. And that's why we're number one. It's why our airport keeps getting ranked number one. Is it the biggest airport with the most flights? No. Is it the best airport experience you can have in the country? Yes. That's why it keep, keeps getting rated exactly. number one. Exactly. I agree. I agree. Man. What a show. <laughs> this is a good one, what boys. A show. This is an absolutely good one. What a show. Now, with everything that you guys have gone through, all the all the moving parts, moving people that, that you've dealt with, is there an unsung hero that you've seen that really stepped up to the plate that you want to give a big shout-out to that just, just came out of the left field and done a spectacular job for all the moving parts and yourself? Uh, I, I wouldn't say um, K 
came out of left field, but there are some unsung heroes that don't get reported about a lot. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, a lot of people obviously know Dr. Emmert, and at the end of the day, this doesn't happen without his leadership at the NCAA. He's the, the president of the NCAA. Dan Gavitt, the head of, of, uh, of basketball. Um, uh, people, a lot of people know his name because he's public-facing. One of the people who's not public-facing is, uh, is a lady named Joanne Scott. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say Joanne Scott uh, has her fingerprints on every single possible thing that you can think of. Um, that was involved uh, with with this tournament. Um, uh, I would say that uh, uh, you know Ryan Vaughn got a lot of notoriety, and he well deserved that notoriety as the uh, the president of the Indiana Sports uh, Corp. But uh, Jennifer Pope Baker, the vice chair, uh, who uh, took time off from her paying job in order to be the chair of March Madness, right. uh, and then lived in the bubble, is another good example. Susie Townsend from my team, uh, who I mentioned earlier, the SVP of Visitor Experience. Um, lived in the bubble and ran the restaurant program. Oh, wow. There's a guy who works for her um, named John Mellinger, who um, when you hear about these things where like somebody wanted a ukulele or they mm -hmm. wanted to get, you know, uh, uh, um, they wanted to get like uh, some Nike shoes delivered to them or something like that. Uh, well, there's guys like John Mellinger on our staff who were actually going and figuring out where to purchase those and then how to, to get them delivered uh, to somebody who was living in the bubble. That's... So there was a lot of this getting stuff in, yeah. in and out of the bubble. Um, it's almost like an airlock, you know, when you see these space movies, they they come inside and there's like a little room inside that and then there's the room, you know, yes. in, in the yep. <laughs> And that's how the bubble kind of worked. Is there were like these kind of like little airlocks where, where the person from the outside could go to a certain spot, the person from the inside could go to a certain spot, and then you'd have to kind of like leave it there and then you pick up the food or pick up the Nikes or pick up the ukulele in this airlock and, and uh, that's you know that's how they had to do it so the ukulele must have been a request because it was it was a real, yeah, it was wow. a real one it was a real one yeah uh, i don't know what the reasoning was or why somebody maybe they that that helped a specific player calm down before a game or a, a coach <laughs> think about what he or she wanted to do but uh, uh you know there were some in interesting requests like that but uh yeah so there i think there's just a ton of people that were working the front lines uh, there's a gal on my team, Morgan Snyder, who was working in the media hub, our director of public relations, up until the end of last week, and then on Saturday, she had a baby. Oh, wow. So, Ooh, fantastic. Hey, congratulations. Shout out to you. Yeah. Hey. You know, so while Jalen Suggs was delivering on uh, Saturday night, so was Morgan Snyder. Oh, man. <laughs> That's pure mommy power right yeah. there. Congratulations. Shout out to the mom. Congratulations. Was there a boy or a girl? A boy. Awesome. Lawson, I believe his name is Lawson. Lawson. Awesome. So, I mean, but, but the whole point is Morgan was working up until it was time to go to the delivery room uh, because <laughs> she crazy. wanted she wanted to make sure the media, the Sports Illustrated guys, the the uh, the athletic gal, uh, you know, uh, there was all these folks that were in town. There were like over a thousand media, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, what do we call them, uh, permits and et cetera, whatever right. they of, uh, uh, that were that were issued, um, and you know, so. We, and one of the things we, we knew that we, going in was that whatever we did well would get magnified, but whatever we didn't do well would also get magnified with social media, with all this uh, you know, traditional media in town. So we were very wary of that, too, uh, aware of that, that you know, we're going to get some really positive publicity, but we've got to make sure everything is done right because the littlest thing can blow up and become, you know, can undermine all the stuff that we've done positively. So it's probably a good thing that you guys had plenty of weights and exercise bikes. Yeah, I, 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 I got no comment on that. <laughs> <laughs> Let somebody else talk about that. <laughs> well, uh, Coach Carby, you guys got any more questions? No, no. I think I'm good. No, I know we... 
Man, we have spit out a, a ton of information, Mr. Learner. We cannot thank you enough for oops, taking your time oops, away from your family. <laughs> I know our, our timing for our show interrupts a lot of family time for busy people like yourself. Um, so we are very, very appreciated of your time. Uh, and what we like to do at the end of the show is we like to give final thoughts. Every, you know, whatever you'd like to tell everybody, now is your time to we'll just pitch your book or magazine. <laughs> yeah, if you, uh, or, or it, give a shout out to if somebody. you want people to follow you on Facebook, what's your links? You know, whatever it is you want, uh, a charity cause, a, you know, a positive message. Final thoughts is yours. Well, I'll, I'll say this: one of the great things about uh, what I get to do for a living is uh, obviously we get to you know we we think about this as economic impact and job creation. And I'm really glad that. Uh, by hosting this event, uh, that a lot of people got back to work, that a lot of businesses uh, started getting their footing again, uh, and we hope this leads into, uh, you know, that we don't get what Toronto, Ontario, Canada is getting right now, that we lead into like a sustained recovery. But what I personally get out of this, uh, what I got out of March Madness War, was the ability to spend some time with my boy Cannon. I have a 16-year-old uh, named Cannon Hoops, which is uh, the best name ever. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, Hoops is his last name. And, and, and believe it or not, you're going to laugh at this, but uh, Cannon is a uh, nickname that I carried over from my own days as a little leaguer. Okay. I was a little guy with a big arm, and uh, my buddies used to call me Cannon. And, and uh, so when uh, we found out we were having a boy, I named him Cannon. Now, my boy had a birth injury. He has cerebral palsy. He gets around in a power chair. But, man, that kid is a sports nut. Uh, he, he can watch, uh, you know – three football games on a Sunday. He can watch college basketball all day on a Saturday. He'll watch the talking heads. He knows the teams. He knows the players. Oh, he uh, knows the games. And I got to go to a bunch of games with him. I, I got to go to some first and second round games. I got to go to a Sweet 16 game. And I got to go to both Final Four games uh, and the, the championship on Monday with him. His mom wasn't happy about the Monday game. Uh, <laughs> it was a 9.20 tip time. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's a school kid. Uh, rolling home after midnight, but uh, sleeping. Uh, but yeah, you know, we're, you're, <laughs> this is this is you're not. We're not going to have the championship game between one and two. Uh, you know, um, uh, in an undefeated season on the line and all that uh, for at least five more years in Indy. Twenty twenty six is the next time we get the final four. Okay. And so, uh, so I told her, I said, you know, we, I got to take Cannon. The Cannon's going to go to the game. So, yeah. So that for me is what was uh, the most per personal, meaningful. Uh, thing about this tournament was spending some really good quality time with my boy who loves sports. That's awesome. Well, hopefully uh, he has Facebook and he he'll follow us now and and uh, tell, he does have his own Facebook. Yeah. Tell us what what he likes and and tell him to comment because as you see, you know we're fans like the rest of everybody out there and and everything that we spit and talk about it comes from a fan perspective. perspective. You know, it's not it doesn't come from a journalistic perspective and trying to get clicks and. And all that other silly stuff. You know, we give you our full and honest take on this move or that move. Uh, you know, and and we have the opportunity to talk with Chris Ballard and you know Coach Reich and things like that. And we're just ourselves. And you know, our questions are fan based. And you know, so tell him to jump on and and comment away. I'll, I'll <laughs> let know? him know. Um, well, he always likes to figure out and see what his dad's up to. So Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> um, we did have a request that Tamara Zane get a shout-out. Oh, Ta Tamara's on? Yeah. 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 Did I, I'm definitely going to say yeah, that. Yeah. Well, well, Tamara, unfortunately, um, uh, passed away last year. Uh, she used to run the downtown Indy for many years. And, okay. uh, yeah, so Tamara's on um, uh, uh, was uh, – 
the, the, the person who uh, really uh, made Downtown Indy a prominent organization. There's a gal named Sherry Seiwert now who runs Downtown Indy, okay. uh, who took on a significant role um, in making sure Downtown was ready, uh, she and her team, uh, for, the, for the entire March Madness. Uh, Julie Goodman, who, ran, uh, the Arts Council, who runs the Arts Council of Indianapolis, had the uh, ultimate responsibility of having that, that swish concept with all those artists, uh, both the visual artists and the performing artists. And then, uh, you know, mention Ryan, uh, there's a guy, uh, Michael Huber, who runs the Indie Chamber, uh, who did some things. And so it, it, that's, that's your team Indie right there. You got right. all these different people who run these different organizations, each with its own area of expertise and responsibilities. And everyone has to come together like any team does. You got to have a point guard, a shooting guard, a small forward, a, a, a power forward, a center, um, you know, or some Every, combination. You can go small. If you go small, then all the guards better be doing what they need to do. If you're going big, bigs need to be doing what they need to be doing. Exactly. We all got to play our roles, and if you play your roles just right, you end up winning that game. And everybody has to everybody, move everybody for, the, for the one goal. The yeah. gears will be going. All right, Carve, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I'm just going to keep on saying this. It's all about spending time with your family. You know, check up on your loved ones, loved ones. Make sure everything is okay, you know, because family is the most important thing in life, to me, in my opinion. So, you know, check on your family members, your friends, and everybody because, you know, the COVID is going on. Be safe. Just check on everybody. That's that's what I really have to say. I'm going to keep it short, simple, and easy. <laughs> Coach? Hey, I, I know we've been gushing about this the whole episode, but, but I, I would like to thank all the – all the people that helped put this together for yes. the, the tournament. Yes. It was a daunting task. Uh, if you know anybody that was working downtown during any of this, give them a big pat on the back and a, a round of applause. Yeah. <laughs> Buy them a beer. There you Something. go. And actually, you, you just made me remember that I forgot to mention my good friend Andy Mallon, who uh, runs the Capital Improvement Board. So he's the guy that runs the convention center. Uh, uh, Eric Newberger runs uh, the stadium, right. uh, the, the Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, you know, they played huge roles. Uh, didn't mention them. So, Andy and Eric, shout out to you guys. Shout out to you. I'll buy you a beer if I see you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and Phil Ray, the general manager of the JW Marriott, uh, Andy Seal at the Westin. Uh, Kyle Houston at the Hyatt. Uh, I'm buying uh, everybody the shots. Michael Moros, uh, <laughs> Moros, who runs the uh, the the downtown Marriott. Those are the guys that that right. ran the hotels that ran this bubble. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank Fantastic. you, Tess. Thank you, everybody. Now, since JW Marriott got a shout out on almost a national syndicated show, <laughs> we want some discounted tickets. There, how about? No. Uh, my, my final thoughts are, Mr. Leonard, to you, your team, uh, to Indianapolis, to all the moving parts, and I can't remember everybody that you spit out. I should have wrote more people down. Um, but kudos. Kudos to you guys. Um, you really magnified what Indianapolis, what Hoosier hospitality is, and what a team atmosphere can accomplish when everybody is moving for the same goal. One hell of a job. You know, if I hats off to you, 100% hats off to you. Um, I can't buy everybody a beer, but if I could, I would. I really can't either. So, but anyways, that's what we got for you tonight. You guys appreciate everybody that jumped on with us. Uh, make sure you check us out. We got, we got some good connections. Maybe we'll get some, some other people in here. And uh, like and subscribe. Look us up on the Twitters. 
Yeah, the, the whole Twitter thing and Facebook and YouTube. And uh, you'll, you'll definitely be able to catch this episode on your favorite podcast. So I, I should have it on by Monday. So it'll be on there so everybody can go back and listen to everything Carve said. Oh, I mean. Well, anyways. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we got for you tonight. Remember, be good to each other. No drinking and driving. And as always, go, go Colts! Colts!